0: consumer can only choose what they're offered. Yes, consumers do need to have some behavior change because if there's like an expectation of instant gratification, well, then it's going to be a little bit challenging to meet that demand. But at the same time, if consumers demand something, companies will listen.
1: Welcome to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast by Coralis a global community of women and non-binary people making real progress on the world's to-do list. Together, we're transforming the world to become more equitable and sustainable. My name is Bryn Bamber. I'm an activator and I'm a trauma-informed witch. And what that means is I struggled with anxiety for a long time and I found core energetics, which is a mental health modality, but it also works with the body and with energy. And that really helped me. And so that is now what I do with my clients. So I'm super excited to be here with Kristen from Safi. And I'd love if you could just start by introducing yourself and introducing Safi to everyone listening.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Basically, at Tati, we make 100% biodegradable and compostable sanitary pads from banana and bamboo fiber. Uh, we're based in India, our operations and in our in our facility and all of that. And we started Sati in order to address lack of access to menstrual products. And we wanted to do that in a sustainable way. So trying to figure out how not only could we provide Um, the sanitary pads to women in underserved areas, but also uh, make sure that we weren't creating a plastic pollution problem at the same time.
1: And I was reading a little bit on your website about period poverty and like how that is one of the issues Safi is tackling. So can you maybe explain uh, to those of us who aren't familiar what it's like in India and And why you decided to create this company?
0: Yeah, so at the time when we started, only about 18% of women had access to menstrual products. And so we were looking at that as a huge issue, but at the same time, looking at where the women were that don't have access, and it was mainly in villages. And there isn't any waste infrastructure there to deal with the pads that are being discarded if if we were to bring in pads and therefore thought well maybe there's something we can do kind of to address both of these issues so having something that is biodegradable which means that we could provide access to this product and also ensure that you know the product can be like composted or or whatsoever and so it doesn't have to create a like pollution problem or waste issue and in terms of period poverty uh, we were looking at you know the these are some of the more stark statistics that that you would see here in the U.S. and that sort of thing but it has a lot of other effects as well so not just on like having access to a pad does mean that you have a better period experience less urinary tract infections or reproductive tract infections or less irritation or rashes things like that but also it means that you could see more girls going to school Uh, about 23 million girls drop out of school annually due to lack of menstrual hygiene facilities and things like that and so being able to stay in school or at work means that you can kind of have a little more control over your future in a way.
1: It's so interesting I hadn't thought about the kind of ripple effects of not having access to pads or other menstrual products and how also in the blog post you're sharing how there's some stigma around it and so it really. If you were to have a leak or something like that, while you were at school, that is really not going to be a good outcome for you.
0: Yes. Yeah, the taboos affect in multiple ways. So one of the things is that um, in some villages, women are using uh, old rags or old saris or something like that. And, And though, you know, people today are purchasing cloth pads to use, I think, you know, it's not necessarily that cloth is not safe, but it's the way you use the cloth. So, if you don't have a way to wash the cloth properly and dry it and all of that, then there's more chance for bacteria to grow. And because of the taboo, you know, the, the best way to use these products, if you don't have, obviously, a, a drying machine or that sort of thing, is you would put it out in the um, sun. And if right. you don't want people to know that you're on your period, then you're not going to put it out in the sun and you're going to dry it in the house. And then you don't get that same effect, like UV sterilization, as you would if you put it outside. So, the taboos can affect in other ways, which are not as obvious. I think,
1: right. So even having access to a cloth pad isn't necessarily a solution if if there if there's a big taboo and you're worried about even using that publicly.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the other things. So we've looked at you know sometimes people are saying, well, the sustainable options include uh, cloth pads and, and menstrual cups and things like that. But um, both cloth pads and menstrual cups do require washing. And yeah. sometimes in some villages, there isn't enough water to drink. And therefore, they wouldn't have the water to wash these products. And so it's something where, you know, if we can say, well, okay, here's a disposable option, and you can use this, and it's still sustainable, then it's kind of a happy medium in, in between um, for people to have access to. Um, we, we kind of talk a little bit about, um, like, you know, if you look at, at the pharmacy, right, if you go down the aisle, like for some products, you know, let's say for like toothbrushing or something like that, you have, you know, 50 different options for which kind of toothbrush, but it's like, what is the real difference between all those different toothbrushes versus if you go down the pad aisle there's pretty much like three major brands and they're also like uh, pretty similar in terms of what they offer Um, and where are all your sustainable items and today maybe you would see more sustainable items but they're still like only as many as you maybe count on two hands so that's still kind of Um, absurd that we have all this choice in terms of like which style toothbrush we want to get but for our industrial products we only have one it's a one size fits all
1: yeah so I'm curious about you and how you found this issue and found the solution like what's your story of starting this company
0: so I studied mechanical uh, engineering and Um, I learned about product development and I always knew that I wanted to do something in um, in engineering but um, that kind of impacts people but I didn't necessarily Mm. know exactly what that would like what form that would take I guess Um, and then I had a chance to go um, to India in um, as part of a well I guess my first experience was I had a I had worked on a waste management and recycling project in Nicaragua. And so I was starting to understand a little more about what is what are some of the ways that people are dealing with waste um, today. And then the second experience is going to uh, India for the first time um, and working on a different project, um, but with an NGO in the Himalayas. And I worked on um, developing a set of all-natural crayons for them um Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a sustainable product and in a way sati kind of combines both of those two things in one as in looking at waste management but also at product development and you know impacting women so i think it was like what sati is today is kind of a mix of all of these interests in a way that i had and it's kind of looking at how we can have as much impact as possible while still building a a profitable business as well. And so we we're looking at how we can build this model for sustainable manufacturing for absorbent products and kind of build that for the circular economy so that it's built to last.
1: Mm. Yeah. So how is it going like Like I'm curious about so many things. I'm like, do people buy it online? Is it in stores? You know, are you all across India? Are you only in certain regions? Give us an update of where the company is.
0: So people can buy our products um, on our website, or we're also selling like on Amazon India, Flipkart, things like that. So we do have direct to consumer channels. We also have a few distributors in India, like uh, eco stores and that sort of thing and we have a couple distributors outside of india middle east uh in southeast asia and the uk Hmm. then we have one website that delivers like direct-to-consumer to multiple countries so that one's has the farthest reach i would say
1: so if people are listening and they want to try out the products, is, is it available in the U.S. and Canada?
0: Yeah. So this website is called Distacart, and I believe they have all kinds of Indian products and they just ship them all over the world. So um, I think they reach hundreds of countries. So yeah, the U.S. And, and Canada are included in that.
1: Cool. And is the manufacturing done in India itself?
0: Yes. So we do our manufacturing in Andabod, which is where we're based. And we have our manufacturing unit there and our team is there. And we are um, selling also, I mean, direct to consumer. And
1: can you tell us a little bit about your new program for plastic avoidance credits?
0: Yeah. So one of the things that we're exploring is, you know, right now, uh, big companies are looking at carbon credits as a way to kind of offset or to, to meet some of their carbon emission goals. And similarly, there are plastic credits, which some companies are purchasing to meet kind of plastic neutral goals as well, or uh, address some of the plastic waste they're creating. But right now, plastic credits are primarily focused on supporting projects that are collecting plastic waste or recycling plastic waste and what we're proposing is instead to focus on plastic avoidance because with our product we're replacing a plastic product one for one with a a biodegradable and compostable alternative and in that way we can make sure that instead our credits are actually kind of changing the status quo instead of maintaining it and really making some kind of impact on the overall plastic in the environment.
1: So cool. So are you looking for folks who work at a corporation to kind of make an invitation for you to talk to someone or how how can the community support you? Yeah.
0: So that So we're looking to speak with sustainability managers at big companies that would be purchasing these um credits and having an opportunity to present kind of how our credits work and that sort of thing because we have kind of a layout right now of what the you know what additional benefits we can provide with our credits depending on the company's interest um and it's industry agnostic because the credit uh is relevant to whichever company is kind of looking, looking to purchase. Um, but the benefits for the community and also the environmental benefits are also pretty universal as well.
1: Maybe in the notes, we can put your email or something like that. So people can connect to you directly, is that the best yeah, way? Yeah,
0: that would be great. Yeah, we can definitely do that.
1: Cool. So you're a Coralis venture. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience being a part of Coralis and and how that's going?
0: Yeah, we're really excited to have been selected this year as a Coralis venture because I think we had kind of a a challenging year last year in terms of trying to find the right um, support and, and kind of Helping it scale and all of that, and so what we've been doing, and um, so far is kind of uh, we've we have regular meetings with our mentor, and then we're able to kind of uh, work on some of the more operational challenges that we're, that we're facing, which is I think pretty unique. Um, a lot of different programs kind of focus more on like higher level goals or achievements and things like that. And this is much more like, we get into a lot of nitty gritties, like, um, you know, building relationships and understanding communication skills uh, versus just saying, okay, well, you know, we need to find this many partners uh, to, to boost our sales or something like that, which is also helpful, but, um, but just the focus as more personal i think um and so that that's been really helpful
1: awesome and can you share i don't i don't know if we have already covered all of this but i'm curious about the impact of safi on india and and people getting access to menstrual products i mean obviously you're not gonna if it's only 18 percent you're not gonna totally as one company going to be able to solve that, or maybe you will in time, you know, hopefully. But how is your company shifting the landscape?
0: I would say, in terms of impact, like our impact is relatively broad as well. Like we cover different areas, so we're addressing about nine of the UN sustainability goals, and we are working with uh, farmers to. Um, supply our raw materials so we are able to increase income. We have an all-women staff and a manufacturing unit. So kind of looking at how we're supporting those women to um, have disposable income. And we also are looking at how we... We're measuring the number of women that we reach with our pads that are also in underserved areas. So last year alone, we were able to distribute uh, about 700,000 pads, which is pretty cool. Considering at the beginning, like when we started, we had set a goal of reaching 1 million pads distributed. And so we, we were able to achieve that milestone, which is really exciting. And then the other two kind of metrics we measure are amount of plastic avoided and amount of CO2 emissions reduced. So these are kind of the high level overview of the metrics that we can measure. And then qualitative things are a little bit, you know, like they're more kind of stories and things that we hear. So in terms of women that work in our factory, uh, they tell us about how now that they have the disposable income, they're able not only to kind of make other decisions financial decisions or have financial freedom but they can send their daughters to school mm. and that's uh, like a generational change which is really amazing to see and then in terms of the women that we impacted in rural areas that have less access we've seen very very quick adoption to um, our biodegradable pets because of the understanding that they're going to degrade very quickly as opposed to regular pads and therefore the animals would dig them up and that kind of thing um mm. and so that's another goes along with the taboo uh problem as well but like when they get dug up then they're all over the community area and um yeah it's it's not great so so like this is kind of another one of those things which um kind of solves two in one
1: Yeah, it sounds like you've been really thoughtful with every component of the company to be making a positive impact everywhere, like on every level.
0: Yeah, we kind of wanted to make sure all of our impacts are built into the supply chain, the business model, because then as our business grows, all of these impacts will grow. And it doesn't have to be like something that we have to think of later, like, oh, did we you know, did we do this, or did we do that? It's all part of the business, so it just um will grow with a lot of effort, but like uh, as in it has to work because this is how the model was built
1: right, and it's like as manufacturing gets bigger, there's a bigger positive impact in the sense that there are more jobs for women in that area, so it's like growth is not gonna be creating more pollution or that kind of thing, but actually creating more jobs as well as more of these environmentally friendly products and i'm curious about how when you're selling in a rural area is it a subsidized price how do you make a profit or how does like the money all work together
0: basically with our rural sales so we do it such that um our urban sales are subsidizing the rural ones
1: Mm -hmm. so it's
0: kind of like a one-for-one type of model at the same time we also do a number of projects so we have done kind of CSR programs and things like that with companies as well that are interested to distribute pads in certain areas because of their like in India there's a mandate from the government that every company has to spend I think it's two percent of their budget on CSR activities Um, and so in that way like you know trying to give back to the society and that sort of thing uh, and so we're able to kind of do programs like that as well to help um women in underserved areas that the um disparity is not like even though we have kind of the 50 50 model like there's more than 50 percent in rural areas and so therefore we need to have these other programs kind of running simultaneously to actually reach all the women it's kind of how we see this because it's just the number of like even if you did one for one everywhere you still wouldn't be able to reach all the women that need access Mm. so it's kind of like a we have to have both models running so that we can actually try try to reach as many women as possible and faster too because we're still small in comparison like big multinationals and whatnot
1: yeah and I'm, i'm gonna ask you about your ask for the community. But before I ask that, is there any part of SASI that I didn't ask you about that you think would be interesting for people to hear about? I think
0: one of the things that we're, we're trying to do or like the kind of business that we're trying to build is kind of a business around system change. And I know people talk about that a lot. And so I'm trying to kind of figure out how to explain it. But I think it's the kind of business model that we have design where we have all those impacts and everything it, it does make it a little bit more complex than maybe your standard manufacturing business or that sort of thing um, and then at the same time we're also looking at expanding kind of our um reach and impact on the, the waste side so let's say someone uses our product so how will they upcycle it right so can they upcycle it as compost into biomass energy systems bio toilets things like this and so seeing like how we can kind of close the loop within this system that we're creating and um, and not necessarily doing it all ourselves. We're open to working with other partners on these aspects, but seeing how we can kind of build that system for the long term is, is kind of our goal, I guess you could say. and then um, looking at the vision so, um, we want to have this model for sustainable manufacturing that's also like a responsible manufacturing model. Um, and, and part of the, the reason that we're, we're here, I guess, our, that we started is because we wanted to kind of make our mark in manufacturing, which is where you have all the choices of you know, what materials do you use, what are the inputs into the product, and therefore, what can you expect after the product is used and what it can be upcycled into. And that's something that we see like all manufacturers kind of have that or should have that kind of responsibility as to what it is they're putting out there, because a the consumer can only choose what they're offered. Yes, consumers do need to change because they need to have some behavior change, because if there's like an expectation of instant gratification well then it's going to be a little bit challenging to meet that demand but at the same time like everyone has to play a role in our, our current shift to a circular economy so consumers have to have some sort of behavior change you know understand the expectations as to what I can or cannot expect to have delivered to my door tomorrow. Um, But then at the same time, if if consumers demand something, companies will listen. And so there's kind of that push. There's also the company's role, which is to provide a safe and responsible product that's made in a safe and responsible way. And then there's kind of like the investors and all that, like, where are you putting your money? you put your money into this like get rich quick kind of scheme or are you putting your money into something that's going to be long lasting and kind of create this impact in the long term and will give you back your returns but um may not get you rich tomorrow uh so so it's kind of like everyone has their role to play um you could say maybe governments have a role to play in terms of regulation and that sort of thing but um Yeah, so I think just looking at the big picture and seeing how we can kind of be a model that in the future that can help others, you know, do this in different industries.
1: Totally, yeah, it's, it, I feel like it is a template in terms of, okay, how do we even make the manufacturer, how do we make the product a sustainable product that is hitting a need, but then also Even the manufacturing is also hitting a need and the and supporting farmers and so it's really you can see that the company has like really thought through the whole picture and i think it's such a beautiful example of you know social entrepreneurship or the circular economy but it's this example of how actually you know creating a business that does create a profit can also have a positive impact and and yes it does take a little more thoughtfulness and working through i'm sure this this took time and and a lot of thought and care to figure out how to play all of these things together so you're making a positive impact on every level but it is such a such a cool example so what what is your ask for the community? What can listeners do? I mean, they can go to your website to uh, purchase the pads if they wanna try it themselves, and they can, um, if they know someone in corporate, in s- sustainability, they can connect with you. But what what else can listeners do to support Safi?
0: Yeah. Um... Those are two great things. And then uh, we're also currently fundraising uh, for our bridge round. And so we're open to connects to funders that are potentially family foundations or we're looking for equipment, an equipment loan, And we're open to raising some funds on safes as well. So those are kind of the specific funding of connects that we're looking for. um, And very much want to have values or like long-term alignment with the with the funder um, because we do have this big picture goal that we want to achieve. And so aligning on that is very important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well we'll make sure to put everything in the notes so people know how to connect if they have a connection for you on any of these levels
0: that's awesome it's kind of great to have an opportunity to, to talk about this stuff and, and I mean sometimes you know like we get stuck in the day-to-day nitty-gritty, right. but uh, it's nice to to have a chance to share about kind of the bigger picture as well
1: thank you so much for sharing about Sophie and and your story on the podcast today thank you Thank you for listening to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast. Let us know what you thought of the episode and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women and non-binary folks at www.corliss.world.